you can't can't censor censor us. us. This is Uncensored Parenting. Talking about the shit, no one else will. You've got questions, we've got, well, we've got perspectives. Coming up on today's show, we have Victoria Angulaya, an expert in the field of sex education. When we sat down with her, we discovered that sex education is so much more than just talking about sex. That teaching your child bodily autonomy will actually protect your child as they grow up. We also learned that providing kids with the proper sex education can actually delay sexual activity. And what you should avoid talking about when you're talking to your kids about sex. And of course, you don't want to miss out on Victoria's best parenting advice on sex. Welcome to Uncensored Parenting. Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we have Victoria Ogunlaya. She is a digital sex educator at Advocates for Youth. She works on the Project Amaze, which is an online resource for families um, to access appropriate sex education. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Health Science from Townsend University. Victoria, thanks for joining us today. I would love for you to share more about yourself and your passion for supporting youth. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Victoria Ogilea. Um, I was my passion for just working in sex education started um, in a very interesting way. I was a wellness care educator in college, um, and I actually kind of fell into it in the sense that I went to the health center looking for one thing, and then I found the person who was in charge of the wellness care educator program there. And um, I've always just been really interested in like how the body works. I'm a dancer. Um, I came from like a performing arts background. So I've just always been intertwined with like my body. And then as I went through college and just started to learn more and took like my first human sexuality class, I just was like, why don't we know these things? Why don't we (laughs) um, teach these things? And then as I got further into my career, um, I just noticed that like there was just a lack of sex ed for you just in general. I think back on like my own high school sex ed um, and just like what my siblings were taught. We weren't really taught much. <laughs> and um, youth really want to know this information. And it's like there are only a few people in the world who are going to actually give them the honest and accurate information that they need and want. So I think that's where my passion kind of like started. And there's just fun working with them because you learn so much more um, with them and you always you are always a student and a teacher at the same time when you work with youth. Wow. I uh, thank you so much because um, as a former educator, um, this was something that was talked about a lot of the lack of sex education in classrooms. Um, And so thank you for your contribution to this work. All right. So on the topic of sex, what is the best age to start a discussion with your kids about sex? Great question. So I always say that it's never too early to start. Um, sometimes I try to like stay out of age ranges because people get so uh, like stuck on the number, um, which is important, of course, when we talk about consent laws and things of that nature. Um, however, I would say it's never too early. Um, I know that there's research out there that says that um, you can start as young as someone who is like 18 months old and just start by like giving them the correct anatomically correct names for what their genitalia is. So instead of calling like a vagina a kitty cat or calling the penis your wee-wee or things in that nature, you actually say like, you know, it's your vagina, that's your penis. This is how you clean your vagina. This is how you clean your penis. And um, it's really important that 
uh, the kids learn that at a young age, because then they just get more comfortable as we go on. And so, you know, you said you're a former educator, whenever you get to that awkward part, regardless of what topic you're teaching, you always, my thing is, I'm always like, all right, everyone, we're going to spend the next five minutes saying vagina and penis and breast and butt and anus and getting people comfortable with it. <laughs> and um, people who like are used to that, um, it's still going to be funny and silly. We even laugh ourselves, but just getting them comfortable with using the correct terminology of like what your reproductive organs are called or just what your body parts are called is really important because I think when people hear sex, they automatically think about engaging in sex and pregnancy and things in that nature, but they always forget about like just basic autonomy. Um, and I think that's why we have a maze junior. So Amaze Junior is a little bit for like kind of like the younger, younger kids, maybe like I try to stay away from age range. I'm not going to give the age range, but definitely the younger <laughs> parents and their younger kids. <laughs> if they don't want their kids to watch the video on their own, we definitely have Amaze Junior for like those like kind of elementary school age range. Because um, then, then some of our videos sometimes could be for like middle school and then higher and things like that. Okay. So when talking about, um, you know, the body autonomy and all of those um, appropriate names, when do you start having discussions around pleasure or um, if they become curious about it or what is your mm -hmm. suggestion around when, like when are signs mm -hmm. that they're ready to start talking about those topics? I would, I would definitely say um, once you feel like you um, kind of provided that child with just, you know, like basic anatomy, um, they know what consent is. Um, you've talked to them about like self-exploration or masturbation. They've talked to you about it. Kind of like when we've um, kind of moved past those thresholds, I think it's really important. That's when you can talk about like pleasure and just saying like, you know, sex isn't something that's just done as one way to reproduce. Um, it's not something that adults just do that they say you're supposed to do and things of that nature when you get older, but also like it can, it can feel good. Like another reason why people have sex is because it feels good. And it's something that they enjoy um, doing it either by themselves or with a partner or partners. So I think like uh, once you kind of have, um, I would say not basic, but just like some of those fundamentals of sex ed, of, you know, anatomy, pregnancy, reproduction, talking about STIs and STDs and how those are transmitted. Um, also just talking about like what healthy relationships look like, like kind of really covering a lot of those bases. You can kind of weave pleasure into, into all of it. Um, I know like some school boards are like, yes, teach them everything, but don't teach them that it feels good or things in that nature because they don't want to encourage sexual act and that's not always the case so I would just say like you know even if there's like a five-year-old who you notice might start tapping their chest a little bit more rubbing it more and you know like okay like I see that you've been rubbing your chest or I see that you've been rubbing your vaginal area things in that nature and it probably feels good but then you know teach them like there's a place and a time when these things are supposed to happen so you can always speak on it um, it doesn't have to be like all right you've turned 16, there's a car, there's your 16 candles, and now let's talk about pleasure. Because <laughs> I think when you leave it out of the conversation throughout, um, and then it's also just like, you know, does your child even know what the actual word pleasure is? Like, if they don't know what the word means on its own, you probably get, you don't want to give them too much information <laughs> more than they are asking for or what they actually like need at that time. 
I love the piece that you said of, you know, anatomy, consent, and that leads to this. It's like we, a lot of times we skip over, you go anatomy and straight into it. And so um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, why do parents often avoid this conversation with their kids? I would say parents usually uh, avoid this conversation because they automatically think about like, having the talk or the lack of a talk that they had with maybe their own parent or like adults in their life. They also think that like having the, this conversation or engaging in these conversations is automatically going to like, in their child is just going to start engaging in sexual activities mm-hmm. or like they feel like they're going to expose them to too much, which is actually the opposite. There's so much resource, um, resources out there and research out there that says like, when a uh, youth get the proper sex ed, it actually delays their sexual activity. So I think that um, a lot of times adults are kind of having that talk <laughs> with themselves because now they have to be like, you know, accurate, accurately correct. It's not like this talking to your friends or talking to your parents. Now you're talking to someone who's seeking your advice and like your advice will impact them. So it, it's definitely like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to give them too much. Now I talk to them and think their child is going to go out and have sex forever. And it's just like, no, starting these talks, especially at a young age, like we started talking about, will then um, allow your child or equip your child to start having like better decision-making skills. They definitely have a better sense of bodily autonomy, knowing what consent is, but also knowing how to like protect themselves. Because at the end of the day, we do live in a world where children oftentimes are abused. So you want to make sure that they are aware of like what personal safety looks like, how to maybe avoid viewing sexually explicit media because it's not real and it can harm their perception on like what real sex is or what sex ed is and things in that nature. So I think there's just a lot of fear and that's why parents avoid it. Um, and then also there isn't like a parenting one-on-one class about how to teach your child about sex. There are lots of books and resources like a maze, <laughs> but like, it's not, it's not there in the sense where it's like, Oh, you're three months pregnant. This is how you're going to have a talk <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I really hear you saying that sex education is just not talking about sex alone. It's really talking about relationships, your body consent. Mm-hmm. So hearing that, like, why is this important that we normalize this at home and talk about it to our kids? I would say it's really important to just normalize it at home because the home is where we learn a lot. I know people go to, you know, you go to school, you go to daycare, all those things like that. But honestly, it's what you see done in the household, what you experience. So not what it said, but what you actually live and experience. And then also social media. It's like the parents in the household, whoever's in the household with the kid, and then what they see on social media are really like the first two, um, I say like platforms where they're learning. And then you have school, of course, but um, it's very easy for information to just get lost in school because information could be outdated there's bans and restrictions now about what can be taught so in the household it's just really normalizing like what I'm always going to say it that's why like my number one thing I stress the most when it comes to sex ed is bodily autonomy like your body is yours and then just very um open and honest conversations um and other ways that it could be normalized in the home is like 
practicing it. So we talk about consent a lot. I'm like, your body is yours. We talk about consent. And then the holidays roll around. And then an aunt comes over or uncle comes over. And they're like, oh, I haven't seen you so long. Let me give you a hug or a kiss. And then you're like, go hug your aunt. Go hug your um go give your uncle a kiss on the cheek or something like that. And the kid is like, I don't want to. And you're like, go, go, go. That's not teaching them body autonomy. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, today, Sarah doesn't want to give you a hug. I'm sorry. Maybe you can ask her later. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But we're teaching her to, you know, do what she feels comfortable. I feel like actually like just constantly having conversations and then um, making a like actually practicing those things in the household really helps to normalize the sex education. Um, because if, it, if you're seeing it, you don't realize that that may not be happening in another household or like it's uncommon. You'll think it's very common. The same way there's probably a million things you do in your home, I do in my home, but I think it's common because that's how I was raised. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think about our, we taught our kids um, that you have the right to decline a hug or, you know, any kind of touch. And it was a challenge for people, especially family members, to receive that no. Um, and and we did a lot of talking about it. We had the conversation of like, it's not you. It's okay. It's just that they don't, you know, want to mm-hmm. hug you. And now our kids have no problem saying like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> hug you. So. And, and yeah, and it's beautiful to watch them with other kids now. Sometimes I'm like, "Hey, do you want to hug?" Instead of just going in and grabbing it, it's yeah. like the kids sometimes are just like, "What do you mean? Do I want to hug?" Of course I do, and it's like, "Yes," but they're teaching their friends through our practices in our home how to move out in the world. And it's yeah. kind of that ripple effect going out, which is kind of cool to see. It's something so small like that really can change everything. Because I think a lot of times, like. Um, we, we just came off of our Youth Activist Institute, um, and we had like a bunch of youth way older, typically like I think from like age range like 14, 24 come in and do like a four day week of activism. But we talked a lot about just like how people really um, just disregard the existence of children as their own. They're always looked at as kind of like property, like this is my child, I own this person possession and like yes you are the caretaker the sole provider the guardian of this child but like imagine if you walked into the room what do you do when someone tries to come up to you and hug you you move away so why are we forcing this kid to hug this person because you probably don't want to hug the same person (laughs) or you moved away from people when they've tried to hug you in the same sense so yeah wow are there some things that i should avoid during these conversations with my kids i would say Great question. I would definitely say we can like avoid over answering their question. And the best way is to like, do not go into more detail until they ask. Um, So I think like sometimes because we might know more than the kids that are asking questions, we then like go into like this whole history lesson. And then like, they always say like, there's always a running joke, like, when you ask your parent a question or you tell a funny joke to your parent and then now it's like a lecture. <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes that's important. <laughs> sometimes that's needed and then other times it's not. So I would say like trying to keep your answers as closely related to the question as possible. And if you if you need to say like, okay, like we might have to break that down um, or like, yeah, like we need to break that down. Like if someone talks about like, like, you know, how does someone get pregnant, right? There's 
if you, there's so many different ways. So you can be like, okay, we, there's so many different, is there like a specific way? Did you hear something? Like really gauge what they already know and then try to like figure out how to respond. Cause I think some people often like get stuck and then they just start sharing way more than um, what they need to know. Um, an example is like, I know um, a young girl, she was at a doctor's office and um, they had told her mom um, like, you know, she's going to get probably going to get her period a little bit on the earlier side, like when she's nine or 10. And she was like, what is that? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not getting my period. And then um, the doctor just went into like this huge elaboration of just how the four cycles and how it works and all of that. And it was just more so like that eight year old only really needed to know like your body's going to go through some changes and you're going to see some blood leaving your vagina. And once you get closer to that time, you'll learn and people will provide you with like ways to help yourself and menstrual products to use and things like that. Like they did not need to know about like ovulation at eight um, unless at, or in that moment, unless it was like, okay, today we're going to talk about a period. And it was a specific time. But in that moment of the question, it needed a little bit of a more simpler um, information uh, response. And I think sometimes we just overshare and overexplain. And then something else I would say is avoid um, spreading inaccurate information. So I think like Sex ed is constantly evolving and changing um, as human beings and human sexuality gets explored more and we learn more um, like better practices and things like that. Um, or things that like were, were best practices are now outdated and stuff like that. So I would say like trying to just spread inaccurate information um, because like inaccurate information as we know in the world, like the what's not true spreads faster than what the actual truth is. So like, if you're not completely sure, I don't know is always the best answer. Um, as an educator and teacher, I'm always like, if you ask me a question, I don't know, I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't know. And then I might try to find it or find someone else that knows, like pointing them to the right direction, pointing them to a maze if we have their question answered. But um, I definitely think like those two things would probably say, like, if there's anything to avoid. And then, like, you know your child, like, you know your child, if they're going to, you, if you know your child's going to probe and, like, ask for more and ask for more and more and more, then maybe you can give them way more detail. But if you know your child is very, like, I just want to know, like, two-word answer, and it's just like, okay, well, this is all you ask. I'm going to give you that. Let me know if you want to know more, because there could be more, but if you don't want to know, I won't share with you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. And it, I, I think about... Um, so my son the other day asked me about an experience. He's like, you know, what was your first experience like? And there was a moment of like, why are you asking me this? Um, <laughs> what what it, What is appropriate to share with your kids in terms of experiences if they're asking about it? Like, do you share your opinions and experiences? Does it depend on, um, you know, I mean, I know that it probably depends on your child, but what to gauge a little bit of, of, um, support here, like what would be appropriate to share with your kids when they're asking yeah. questions like that? And I just want to make sure I understand the question correctly. So like if you're in a scenario, like if your child came up to you and was like, hey, have you ever tried like a ribbed condom or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah. I'll be honest with them. Um, I would assume at this point, they know that you have had sex or sexual beings <laughs> if they're coming <laughs> to you about these questions. 
So, and if they are coming to you with these questions, that means they trust you and they value you and they value what you're, what they're going to say, um, what you're going to say to them. So that's already a really green flag, like great thing that they're coming to you and feel comfortable because most people are just going to go online or ask their friends. So I think like, take that as honor. Like if a person comes up, if your child is coming up to you, asking you direct questions about an experience, you're trying something, you're doing a great job. <laughs> and then um, I would say you can share with them. Um, you don't have to go in like explicit detail if you don't want to. Um, once again, it's your personal experience. So like your comfortable comfortability level is definitely important because it could feel awkward to be like, what's going on? And then, like you said, you automatically think like, have you done this? Are you trying it? Yeah. Um, which is like natural. But I would definitely say like you, um, I don't have a right answer to it. So like really just engaging. Because then like, if you do share too much, I'm pretty sure they'll let you know. They'll be like, ew, yeah. I did not need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really important like I think I think once I asked my mom a simple question like what were you doing when you were 17 like what my my little sister turned 17 I was like what were you doing when you're 17 she was like I was with your dad and I was like you know I can interpret that a couple ways but like I don't want to know <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm done no more questions <laughs> That was it. <laughs> I don't need to ask anymore. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so I really hear this idea of like not oversharing, but mm-hmm. if your kid is coming to asking specific questions, honesty is the best way to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, what if your kids aren't asking these questions to you? Then what do I do as a parent? Like if they're not coming to you with these questions, but you know that they might be active or like interested. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I would definitely say maybe just like sharing resources. So like if you feel like they might not be comfortable coming to you with this, you can just say like, you know, hey, um, I saw this resource. Um, you might be interested in it. I thought it was interesting. Like take a look at it. On our Amaze website, um, whenever we release a new video, we have a more info section and we break it down for youth, educators, and parents. And um, for parents, we have something called conversation starters. And for educators, we have discussion questions. So we kind of like, based off of the video, tell you how you can like um, start a conversation with your child about it. And a lot of times it could just be like, hey, like I saw this video I like today. This is what it's about. Do you want to watch it with me? Or like, I've noticed we haven't really talked about certain topics. We haven't really talked about like, if you're dating anyone, we haven't really talked about it like, if you're interested or have what what have you heard do you have sex ed like things in that nature you can just start to like ask them the question and just see because also um you know children have lots of different sexual orientations and gender identity so like a child that might be not come to you is maybe because they're not experiencing certain feelings or certain wants or desires so it's not that they're afraid to it's just that they actually aren't coming to you because there's no interest at times so I think like just maybe asking some questions, guided questions or sharing resources could be there. And it kind of like opens the doorway of like the door is open. You can come if you want to. I'm not forcing you or pushing you to. Yeah. it And I think about what you said about a lot of gender identity and um, sexual expression because kids, there's so much that kids could be experiencing around sexuality and that, I mean, what, what have you seen that kids are kind of experiencing today around sexuality? I would definitely say more sexual orientations that are, uh, 
outside of like just the acronym <laughs> of like LGBTQ plus AI, um, QIA and all those in that nature. Um, I think the youth are in a space where they can define their sexual orientation or gender expression or gender identity more than a lot of people could in the past um, because of just being able to like connect with people that share the similar identities as them. So I think that's definitely um, something that we're seeing. Um, I definitely will say that we're seeing more, um, we, a lot of youth want more resources around being like um, aromantic or asexual um, because a lot of times it's the opposite. It's like people who may not identify as that and we're giving them that information, but not so much like how to navigate growing up as a child paying attention so like your child might say like oh I feel like I'm dummy girl or dummy boy and you're like oh I've never heard of this before um to some people they might say that um and but they might be familiar with more terms like um transgender so it's just like the youth at this point um they definitely have a wider vocabulary and a way to just describe all genders identities and expressions and um sexual orientations so that's something that we are making sure that we're keeping up with. Um, and some of these terms aren't new, they're just like more used. And then some of them to me are a little bit new because I'm still learning. <laughs> as we all are. Mm -hmm. I, some of those are, the terms are new to me as well. Um, okay, so what um, what are kids learning about in schools today about this topic? Uh, depends on where they are. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them aren't learning much. <laughs> um, but I'd say it's a hard question. Unfortunately, it's a hard question because we really don't know. Like, it really depends on where they are. So you have, um, you have places like in Florida where there's a, the Don't Say Gay Bill and there's a ban on, like, just teaching about gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, lots of bans around, like, trans uh, health for youth and education around that. Um, you know, we grow versus way got overturned. So lots of bans around having conversations about abortions and things of that nature. So I would say youth are, I don't know in total of everything that they're learning, but I do know what's missing, which is a lot of just comprehensive and inclusive and correct and honest. <laughs> so lots of things missing. In terms of what they're, um, in terms of like what is an overall curriculum, um, because some states, you know, it's not even an actual requirement, and even if it is a requirement, it's a very basic one that doesn't go into it. A lot of schools don't have dedicated staff who are trained in this, so they don't have like an actual sexual health teacher. It might be, you know, the gym teacher who's trained in it or got trained in it, but this isn't their area of expertise, or it might be the health teacher who does a topic on this, but like they don't get to go through the full um, like courses. So the best way to explain that is I, when I used to come into schools, I'd come in at kind of contracted and then I'd be in school for about six to seven weeks. And, you know, each week is something different. So we'll say like anatomy and now we're talking about consent and relationships. We're talking about pregnancy and reproduction. Now we're talking about STIs. We're talking about barrier methods. And then we're talking about pleasure and we're talking like healthy relationships and we're just intimate part of violence. Like there's so many different things and a lot of schools don't get that. It's normally all of that lumped in one. So um, I would say they're not getting a lot. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> ended with they're not getting a lot of sex day. 
Which is why it's even more important for parents to talk to this mm-hmm. or talk on this subject with their kids because it puts them almost at risk to do their own research, like you said previously, and that's not always accurate information or realistic mm-hmm. answers, so to speak. Yeah, I definitely agree. I always sound like my job as an educator is to provide like accurate, honest, inclusive sex ed, but like a parent or a guardian, guardian or any like adult in a young person's life is like there to just provide a little bit more information and like really allow their kids like ask questions and then guide them to the right resources. So either that's guiding them back to me or any other resource, Amaze, once again, (laughs) just any resource um, is definitely like how we keep it going because it's literally a, it's a part of everyday life. It really is. And as much as people say like, it's not, it's like when you break it down and you take it outside of just engaging in sex it's a part of everyday life. We all are in relationships. We all need consent for things. You just don't go up to someone and take their car. Like, we all need consent for everything. We all try to practice bodily autonomy. We hate when people tell us what to do and what not to do with our bodies. Like all of these conversations and topics are a part of everyday life. Hmm. Yeah, which um, thinking about like you talking about consent and, and some media, like how can we use media and movies to actually teach kids because we know what they're watching it, right? So, like, how can mm-hmm. we use those to really teach kids what's what's accurate and, you know, learn mm-hmm. from some of those movies? Outside of, like, um, like, outside of media that's, like, created to, like, actually teach, like, Amazed Creative Animation that's created to teach um, young people about sexuality education. Outside of that, I would say just, like, um, I know at one point, like, the Baymax show is very popular. I haven't really watched it. I should. The Baymax show on Disney Plus has been really popular, and a lot of educators have been talking about it because they show a wide range of different um, types of relationships. And then there's a one episode where um, the main character, she gets her period, and they talk about that. So I would say, like, if you are watching anything and you see a moment where, like, it was like accurately displayed or a real depiction of life you can point that out so that they know like a basis of what to look like look at or what should be but often we don't see that in media so it's more so pointing out what isn't um so like if we're you're watching a movie I'm trying to think of something that's common I watch a lot of movies so I should know if you're like watching a movie and um the person is like walking, a person's walking down the street and like they're getting catcalled um, or like someone like inappropriately touches their butt or something like that. You know, you can be like that, like that person didn't act their consent or like, oh, that's, that's not it. Like that should not happen in real life or things like that. And once it doesn't have to go into like lecture all the time, <laughs> and then if I get tired of listening to you, or like not wanting to watch any more movies or TV with you, <laughs> yeah. but just like, <laughs> Pointing it out just a little bit, because even if it's a little annoying, you'll remember like, oh, every time I watch a movie with my mom, she points out like that isn't it. And then when they see it in real life, they're going to remember that moment. Yeah. And it's almost a great way to move. I mean, use media that you might not necessarily have control over, because I feel like the the main message in a lot of movies is the girl says no we keep pushing and chasing and then she finally says yes and then they live happy happily ever after and I just think about 
you know, the dangers of those messages. And so we can really use what you were saying about addressing some of those things in there while mm-hmm. watching it with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just thinking about, um, panic and parents, I can see parents right now going, Oh my gosh, like, this is scary. I don't want to talk to my kids about this or, <laughs> you know, how could parents come to a calmer place in order to handle it? That's not the right question I'm looking for. Um, help me out here. What can parents do to manage their panic around this topic? Yeah. Good question. Um, I would say, uh, gather resources and like educate yourself. So like, just, you don't have to like, you know, get a certification and try to like become a sexuality educator. But you definitely can follow, follow like we have in our, our Amazed Parents Instagram. Um, and a lot of parents like that because they're up to date with any videos that we put out. Or just we give them up to date information about what's going on in the sex ed world and the reproductive justice world. So we provide that information. So that's like kind of a, of a lower lift. Like if you are up to date as to what's going on, you won't be as uh, terrified or maybe in a panic when a it, when the word is when sex comes up in a conversation or comes out of your child's mouth because they have a question about it or things in that nature. So I would just say like having like a little bit of resources, maybe like bookmarking a few pages, maybe reading a book on your own or just something that nature, listening to the podcast, like just just small things that um, you can have in your toolkit or like underneath your belt so that when it is time or the conversations do start, that like there isn't so much panic because um, I think that like it's just ultimately always going to be there. (laughs) Um, I don't have any kids, but I have a niece and I have a lot of young people that I'm around. And even as an educator, sometimes I get a question and I'm like, oh my God, okay, how do I answer this? I don't even know how to answer this right now. But because I'm like, okay, I know a bit about this topic. I know what's accurate. I know it's what I can tell them. Then I feel a little bit more equipped or a little bit more comfortable engaging in the conversation. So just really having like your, having resources that you can pull from and that you know, like you trust them. So like, even if you never liked anything on a maze or you've never been to the website or you're not in the newsletter, you can still be like, you know, I do know of of this organization that might have a question or have the answer to your question, we can go here and learn together if I don't already know the information. Great. Awesome. All right. And the, the, our famous question that we ask every guest is what is the best advice you give parents when talking to their kids about sex? I would say the best advice would be to like, let your kids know they can come free, come to you for advice, um, like to vent or ask questions. Um, just like, eliminating as much fear um, as possible for them to come to you. Um, So I feel like when there's fear, when it's been very clear that um, your parents either don't want to have that conversation with you or it's just not something that it could be talked about, um, it's very easy to pivot and not even go that route and just like go to your peers or go to social media and rely on it in that way. So when there's less fear and what I mean by like, eliminating as much fear and letting them know like they can come to you being mindful of like what you do and actually practice so like if you're telling your child they can come to you with anything but then they see how you react to maybe a hypothetical hypothetical situation or uh, something that's in the movie scene or like something that's trending 
and they might have that same, they might have a question about it or are experiencing the same thing and they see how you're reacting towards it, they might pick up on that and not come to you. So I would say like just really being mindful and it kind of ties into when I was saying like actually practice it in your home is one thing to teach and say things, but what we learn the most is from experience and practicing it. So if you're not practicing it and experiencing it in your household, there's a very small chance of it actually, um, your child actually like taking that and then practicing it in their own life. And then I would also say, um, I would say, I mean, I don't, you all probably don't have to worry about this, but I would definitely say like just giving, like allowing your children to know that they have autonomy over their bodies and self, like a sense of autonomy, knowing that you have autonomy really helps with like um, self-expression. So I know like some people they're like, oh, I don't want my child to like dye their hair pink. And it's like, we can, cause I don't want them to mess up their hair um, or cause it's gonna be unhealthy. And then sometimes it's really just because like they don't want them to wear pink cause for some reason they think of, I don't know, a four-year-old dying their hair pink is grown. I don't understand that. So things in that nature is like allowing them to like express themselves and um, builds their sense of self and also builds that connection with you that you trust them to make decisions for themselves. And because you're trusting them to make decisions for themselves, they trust you. And then as trust builds, they will continue to come to you because they know that you will accept them as how they want to show up or have been showing up. So uh, those, that's probably like, yeah, my advice for parents who want to talk to their kids about that. Amazing. Victoria, thank you so much for your wealth of knowledge. This has been incredible. And if people desire to get a hold of you or look for resources, where can they find you online? Sure. So you can find us on YouTube is our biggest platform. So we're on YouTube is Amaze Org. So Amaze and then Org, O-R-G. Um, we release new videos uh, every other Thursday. So um, we just released one of our newest videos, which is around menstruation stigma. So we just address all the stigma that's around menstruation and people who get periods. Um, and that's like, it's probably my favorite video that came out most recently. And then you can also follow us on um, TikTok and on Twitter at Amaze.org. Um, we're revamping our Twitters and our TikTok. So we've been there and been more present. You can find us on Instagram at AmazeParents. Um, and then we also are on Facebook as well as Amaze.org. Um, and Amaze Parents. So we are there. When you get to our Amaze website, which is amaze.org, there are our videos. It's the more info sections that I talked about earlier. And then we also have newsletters. We have toolkits. You can create your own playlist, which is um, you can sign up and make like your My Amaze account and then go through all of our videos and then create your own playlist and then give that to your child and your child can watch the videos that you approve. Um, and then I would also say, oh, we have amazing youth ambassadors. Um, so we have amazing youth ambassadors. They're between the age of 10 and 16, and they're with us kind of like throughout the whole school year. Um, so we work with them and they promote us on their socials or on our um, organization-based socials. Um, but it's kind of a, another way for us to like bring the information to you because at the end of the day, we know peer-to-peer -peer education is the most efficient and fastest way to teach you. Um, so those are the best ways to find us. Me personally, um, if you have any questions, you can reach me at victoria.ogalea, last name is O-G-U-N-L-E-Y-E, at advocatesforyouth.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Yes, thank you. Thank it was you. amazing. 
Thanks for listening to Uncensored Parenting. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Uncensored Parenting Podcast. We're out. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.